loss in the family this morning. So I need a moment of silence for my iced coffee that I dropped. Oh, no. I'm serious. That was important to me. Aaron's like, what? It's a whole cup of iced coffee. Just, I was on my knees. No, Lord. Oh, Yeah, no. Sorry. I'm really trying to be serious. But let's open up in prayer. Seriously, let's open up in prayer. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. We do rejoice in it. We give you praise. We give you honor. Lord, we give you precedent in everything, our day and our week, our month, our year, our life, oh God. We lift you up right now. God, thank you for this day, the Sabbath day that realigns our weeks, that realigns our priorities, God. We honor you. We open our heart, open our mind, open our ears to hear and receive, oh God, all you have for us today in Jesus' name. Well, today we began a new series um, called Time, Talent, and Treasure. Um, again, Pastor Neil already began speaking the message so turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Uh, through this series, I really want us to be looking at these three resources, as uh, Pastor Neil mentioned, that has been given to us. It's God-given. It's not something that you've acquired. It's not something that you attained. You didn't come out of your mother's womb and say, Yay! I did it all by myself. You know, you didn't. You know? He said, I, I created you. I knitted you together in your mother's womb. I breathed life into you. I, I ordained all the days laid out before you even came out of your mama. And yet we boldly, you know, strut around in our lives thinking that we've done something. And it's just, I mean... Solomon, the greatest king, the greatest man, the wisest man that ever lived, said, you know, it's all nothing. Now, I really believe he was setting back in all upon everything that he, he saw, he acquired, the wisdom, the wealth, and looked around and said, I have done nothing. It's all just given to us. We have to come to the grips that, like Pastor Neil said, that it's resources that God has given, time, talent, treasure, and they all fall into those three things. All of life falls into one of those three things. Or kind of like line upon line, precept, they all, they all fall upon each other, if you could say, or build upon each other. But the key is that, like I said, God has given us everything we are and everything we have. And we are but stewards of it. And that's why we will all be called into account. What have you done with what has been given to you? And that's the challenge going to be throughout these three weeks. Is uh, I want you to assess what have you been doing with what you have been given. Time, talent, treasure, those three things. And then also, how are you using those three things to connect at a, as a supporting ligament in the body of Christ. You can't just throw one thing at it and say, I, I did enough. It's supporting. Again, go back to last week's message. 
is a drawing and a receiving. It's, it's like, you know, the leg, if I tore apart and put up on the screen all the different, you know, aspects of just the leg and the arteries and the veins and the muscles and the sinew, you know, and bone and all that stuff. It builds off from each other and it supports each other and that's how it works. But it can't just draw from the other things or else it hurts. Have you ever had a, a cramp in your body? I learned through my nutritionalists and, you know, of course, some other people will probably correct me if I'm getting this wrong, but um, that usually it comes on from a lack of water, that your, your muscles are squeezing the water from your system because it needs water, and that's the cramp, and I know it's not always the cramp, but, and I'm not a doctor, but that was, I used to get horrible cramps in my legs, and uh the doctor I was seeing at that time says, drink more water. And to tell you the truth, I wasn't drinking hardly any water at that time. And it went away. I wasn't woke up with those horrible cramps. But it has to, sporting ligament means you have to give and receive. You can't just come in and, and take, 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 like, like I said last week, like a leech sucking all the life and then go off and think, well, at least I'm good. That's not being a supporting ligament. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, said every faculty you have, your power of thinking, of moving from moment to moment, is given to you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, already his. You know, we had to correct ourselves. Um, Brian and I were trying to get our hearts right some years ago over um, paying tithes. And Brian sat down. He goes, I don't even think we should call it paying tithes anymore. And I'm like, what? He goes, every time we say we're paying our tithes, he goes, I feel like we're paying a bill. He said, and it's just not right, so let's not say paying tithes. And I'm like, okay, I'm in, you know, fine. We'll, we'll give tithes. For a long time we went through, you know, let's give our tithes, let's give our tithes. And, and I'm like, how can we give something that's not even ours? Really, we're returning to God. You know, because he gave us, I mean, like, you know, I'm not going to try to preach the treasure message that's coming in a couple weeks. But he gives us. And then allows us to steward it. And to be a good steward of what he's given you, he says, um, how about you give me the first fruit of that? How about you give me the first, the best? Show me that you honor me in that that I've given you and then steward the rest. I know. So today we're going to look at time. So how do we give God priority in our time? And I, even when I was putting this message together and I kept saying, your time, our time, my time, I'm thinking, it's his time. <laughs> That's ridiculous to say, well, my time. It's only my time because he's given it to me. I only can take this next breath because he just allowed me to. 
you know, the scripture that says you go here and there and do all this. And, you know, who are you boasting like that? You don't even know what your life's going to contain in the next second. It's not your time. It's not my time. It's his. His time. So how do we put him as, as priority in his time that he's given us? Time, something we all have the same amount of. You see these other, the other two resources that we'll talk about, the talent and the treasure, everyone has a different amount of. But time is the number one thing everybody has the same amount of. Something we all have the same amount of, and I'm talking about in a day. I know some of you are like, well, some people only live for it, and some people only live for it. I'm talking about in a day, okay? 24 hours. Something we all have the same amount of, something we all struggle to have more of, but something we all wish we can turn back the hands of. It's time. William Penn said, time is what we want the most, but we use the worst. It has been said that time is our most valuable commodity. Growing up, my mom back in her heathen days and my grandma loved watching soap operas, constantly soap operas. And I mean, even to this day, I can hear the little soap opera melody playing and it's saying, as sands through an hourglass, so are the... You're all soap opera junkies, aren't you? <laughs> so are the days of our lives. In Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 15, says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Making the most of every opportunity. The days are short. And if you don't know this, ask somebody older than you. They'll tell you. Seems like when you're young, it takes forever for a day to go by. When you get older, it's like, oh, we just went by and I blinked. Just wasn't it just we say this every Saturday. We sit there in our chairs and I look at Brian and I say, I can't believe it's Saturday already. Every week we say that. I know we sound like an old couple. We are. It it seems like life just goes faster and faster and faster. Don't be foolish. Don't be unwise. Make the most of every opportunity. I want to tackle three excuses of time that keeps us from plugging into the body, doing our part as a supporting ligament. And I'm going to keep hammering that nail because like I'll say at the end of this message, it's not just about going to church. All right. Uh, three big excuses. I just don't have enough time. 
Second excuse, if I do this, well, then I can't do that. And the third excuse, well, that's okay. God knows my heart. Haven't you heard that one? The first one, I just don't have enough time. That's a lie. Everybody's been given the same amount of time. How come one person can sit back on the beach and have hours every day and the other person, it seems like it's been years since they had two minutes off. If you don't have enough time to plug in and do your part in the church, the body of Christ, the problem is not a lack of time, but a problem with priorities. I share this in our uh, MDC class, The Tyranny of the Urgent, and a little excerpt on jumbled priorities, it's called. It says, jumbled priorities produce anxiety as we review a month or a year and become oppressed by the pile of unfinished tasks. We sense uneasily our failure to do what was really important. The winds of other people's demands and our own inner compulsions have driven us onto a reef of frustration. We confess, quite apart from our sins, that we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and we have left undone those things which we ought to have done. People excuse their sins of omission, their, their sins of not doing what they're supposed to do, their sins of omission, by pointing out that they have too many other things to do and there just isn't enough time to do everything. Their priorities determine how they use their time and what they choose to put in first place. Your greatest danger is letting the urgent things crowd out the important. We live in constant tension between the urgent and the important. The problem is that many important tasks need not be done today or even this week. But often urgent, though less important tasks, demand for an immediate response. Can you take me here? Can we do this? I got to go here. Take me there. Endless demands pressure every waking hour. A person's home is no longer a castle, a private place away from urgent tasks. The telephone breaches its walls with insistent demands. The appeal of these demands seems irresistible and they devour our energy. The beeps on our phone that somebody liked our post or somebody's, you know, trying to get a hold of me. Beep, beep, beep. They devour our energy, but in light of eternity, their momentary prominence fades. With a sense of loss, we recall the important tasks that have been pushed aside, and we realize that we've become slaves to the tyranny of the urgent. See, those important things, the spending time with God, the important things of worshiping, the important things of studying his love letter, aren't demanding, aren't sending beeps across on our cell phones, aren't calling us, hey, 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 sit down, sit down. It's that urgent things, of that tyranny of they have to be done now things that take us away from the important things. It's just a matter of jumbled priorities.
so everybody has enough time. Number two, if I do this, I won't be able to do that. That's excuse number two of why people don't plug in to their part in the body of Christ. Well, if I do this, then I won't be able to do that. Being a good steward of the time given me is a daily decision, even an every minute decision. It's a matter of choice of what matters most. What's more important, not just what's urgent, but what's important. It's an exchange. Yes, it is an exchange. You're right. If you do this, you may not be able to do that. But let me ask you, is that more important than this? That's what you need to ask. I mean, we really do sound like little babies running around all the time. Well, I want this. Well, I want that. I want to do this. I want to do that. Is that more important than this? Whatever it is. Andy Stanley said, don't allow that what someone else will one day do replace what only you can do today. Don't allow what someone else will one day do replace what only you can do today. Example is that one day someone else will be mowing your lawn and calling it theirs. One day someone else will be working at your job getting the bonus that you're striving for. One day someone else will be sitting in your favorite spot in the restaurant, your favorite restaurant, eating your favorite meal. But only you can accomplish what God created you to do now. Establish, you need to establish a healthy balance in your life. With your time, again, we're talking about time. With your time. God, self, then others. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Then it said to love others, but he said, as you love yourself. So that's got to come second. Then you can love others. Otherwise, if you mess that up, if you put family before, you'll constantly be serving them, family, lifting them up before God, before yourself, which is an automatic uh, 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 whatever you want to call it. I'm, I'm losing my words here. Satan gets mad when you talk about, what? Honor God first. No, don't tell people that. He, you know, he can use anything. He uses the good thing. With good people, he uses the good things to distract you from the great things. And you think, well, it's good, but is it great? You know, he, you think that you're doing a good thing by loving your family first. And it's wrong. You can't even begin to love your family. I mean, this is why they don't want me to do premarital counseling anymore. Because I'll sit down with a premarital couple and ask them, who do you love more, God or your, or your soon-to-be spouse? Well, I love him. Well, then I'm not marrying you. Forget it. You can't even begin to love him. You can't even begin to love her until you understand his love first and in you. Until you're in love with yourself, hello, and God more than her or him. Well, I can't love myself more than I love him. You can't love him until you love yourself. 
Because otherwise it's a need-based, I'm only loving them for what they can make me feel like. What they give me. You understand that there has to be those priorities. God first. Healthy balance. God first. Then me and God second. Then that love can come to others and family and whatever. Other people. There's got to be a healthy balance. If your family doesn't see you, listen. I'm talking about not ignoring your family needs, but there has to be that priority because otherwise you're, you're loving them out of a, a fake love. I don't, I don't even know what um, a perverted love. It's not a true love. It's a love of what they can give you and you can give them. And it's, it's out of that lack of. So, but there's got to be a healthy balance there. And I'm not telling you to deny your family, but again, it's got to come from that flow through you, from God through you, then you can love them. But if your family doesn't see you doing Christian life with them, so if you just go in your closet, what I'm trying to say is if you just go in your bedroom, in your closet, shut your door, and now you have your God time, and then you come out and just do your life and do your own thing because I have my private time with God. That's not healthy either. Your family needs to see you doing Christian life. They need to see you worshiping God. They need to see you with your Bible open at the table. They need to see you. They need to hear you. Your kids need to know Christian life is more than just coming to church. It's, it, it's everything. It, the word, um, uh, saturate. There's a saturate and there's a saturate. And that, that means it's like a sponge that's been squeezed and then stuck underwater and it fills up. That our life needs to be saturated or I think it's saturate. But anyway, it needs to be filled so full with God that you touch us and we just ooze Jesus out everywhere we go. Ooze Jesus. Jesus. Your family, your kids need to see that. Everywhere, your neighbors, the person that cuts you off in traffic and not just the one finger that you want to wave at them. You know, they need to see that patience. They need to see that love. They need to hear that love. Your family needs to know that Christianity is more than just going to church. But it's about everything they need to see a Christian plugging in. It means you're plugging into the body that you're uh, supporting the body, that you're doing your part, that you're praying for the church, you're praying for the pastor and not just complaining about the church and complaining about the pastor. But that you're doing your part, denying yourself, taking up your cross and following me. Jesus said. Craig Rochelle said it this way. If you often overrule church for something else, but you never overrule something else for church. You are sending a very clear message of what is not important to you. I mean, think about it. People always, let's see. Out of my entire week, let's plan doing a family activity in the two hours once a week on Sunday. That we should be making a priority. Yep. So 
I'm not going there. Never mind. We'll just. But if you only think as a Christian, again, again, I'm speaking to as a Christian. If you only go to church, you're missing the point. If you only go to church for your attendance, you're missing the point. If you only go to church as your duty, you're missing the point. If you only go to church for what you get out of it, because I just had a sucky week, man. It's been horrible. Pray for me. You're missing the point. As a Christian, going to church is not about you at all. You get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, rush around getting ready, <laughs> throw your iced coffee down as an offering before the Lord as you're running out the door to get here. Not for what you can just sit down there and, oh, Lord, here I am another week. But what I can do for you. You see, because Deborah's got the healing power of heaven in her hugs. And when that lady hugs you, you feel God's arms wrapped around you. You know, when Anna greets you at the connect counter with that beautiful face and that aroma about her, you feel the fragrance, you smell the fragrance of heaven. You know, it's what you can give, what you've been ordained and commissioned to give to somebody else. You come with a song in your heart for somebody else. You come with a word in your mouth for somebody else. You come with a handshake for somebody else. You come to train. You come to equip. You come to teach somebody else. Welcome somebody else. Pray for somebody else. Going to church is not about you as a Christian at all. Except for what you're supposed to be doing in the body. Supporting it. The third big excuse. God knows my heart. Could you imagine saying that to your wife? I don't need to spend any time with you because, well, you know my heart. It don't work. It don't work, does it? <laughs> had a friend of mine, older friend of mine, always told dry, dry jokes. No, it's not Dave, but he's another one. He said, I told my wife, I've been married 70 years. I told my wife I loved her when we got married. And I said, if anything changes, I'll tell you. I'm like, what? He says, I don't waste time telling her I love her all the time. I said, really? How's that going for you? Well, I don't know. She's kind of cold lately. <laughs> Wonder why. That's like you, you setting up, which if you're a married couple, you should set up. And I'm scolding myself as well. A weekly date night with your spouse. You should. But imagine setting up that weekly date night with your spouse and there you are sitting at the restaurant looking at your watch hour later, two hours later, every week. They're standing you up because it was just during that time that their friends called and they want to go, hey, let's go canoeing. in your marriage, are we or are we not the bride of Christ? Are 
we or are we not called? And see, I, I've been hounding this one, said it last week too. It would be one thing if in this word, in the Bible, that God talked about building his church, that he only referred to us as his church, to institutionalize it into four walls, the church, the church, the church. But he is so clever. And he thought, I know their heart. And I know their inclinations. And so if I show them that that church is the actual body of Christ, and I'm putting my son as the head of that body, they can't institutionalize that. Because that body can't operate without all of its members supporting ligaments. Have you heard this? I mean, he, he was, he's, he's so smart. He knows us. Yes, he knows our heart. He knows that we look for excuses to pluck ourselves out and be able to do our own thing. Well, I'm part of this corporate body that is just out there as, you know, you know the, the, the spiritual body of Christ. Yes. And. You can't be part of the corporate body around the world of Christ if you're not plugged into the body, the church, that you're a part of. It has to go an and. It's an and, not an or. He knows my heart. Yes, and it's our responsibility, our choices that put him first in our heart. And by the choices we make, our lifestyle proves what's the priority of our heart. If we've really given God our heart, we will automatically give God precedent, priority in our time. Like I, I said that last week, that the, when you first fell in love and were Twitter-pated with your spouse, somebody didn't have to force you to go spend time with them. Because your choices, your, your life showed what the priority of your heart was. Who was the real love of your heart? There are 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week. To give God the first fruit of our week is to give him a tithe of this, right? Setting him first in our week. That's why he set up the Sabbath. Think about it. Man was created on day six. Day six, the end of all God's work, day six. Then he created man. Day seven, the Sabbath. Now, do you think he created day seven so God could just like, wow, had a hard week today. You know, this whole week has just been work, 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 work. Don't talk to me, man. I need to rest. No, he set up the seventh day so that man's first day begins with rest. It began with the Sabbath. Actually, Jesus said in uh, Mark 2.27, the Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for the man. It doesn't say the Sabbath was made for God. 
Sabbath was made for man. God knew the inclinations of our heart, the tendency of man. Even before he created man, he knew what man would do. Work, 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 work. No time for you. No time for you. No time for this. Work, 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 work. He said, no, start it out with me. And then I'll go with you. Wherever you go. But let's be honest. What happens? We work without God all week long. Come in on a Sunday and we're exhausted. <sighs> what? Serve somebody else? Forget it. Too tired. Work in the nursery? Ah, I've got 20 kids at home. Why should I work in the nursery here? I work in a factory all week long and you want me to come and serve other people? Because <sighs> you've got it all backwards. The Sabbath was made for man to begin his week with. And it's so nice that he gives it to us every week because we mess things up every week. By the end of the week, sure, Saturday night gets here. I look at Brian, oh, it's Saturday again. And I'm like, thank you, Lord, that Sunday's coming tomorrow. Because junk has gotten in my heart again. And it's just a day for, like I told you last week, that whole remission of that wiping away of the Sabbath is, you know, a wiping away of. And it should be before you come to church. Really should be. Should be, uh, should be every morning. But, you know, at least every week to set up and say, God, just erase everything and reprioritize. Help me to reprioritize you as precedent. You as priority. You as number one. Everything else falls below that. So then when you come into church, you come with joy. You come with anticipation, expectation. What? To serve one another. To love each other. Not just to sit down, do your time, and get out of here. You're missing the point. Our time on earth is shockingly brief. In light of the everlasting life that stands before us. Brian and I rented a movie last night on Paul the Apostle of Christ. Has anybody seen that yet? Really good. Really good. I mean, they take liberties, but it's really good. Because we sat there afterward watching all the credits. Talking about how selfish we are. But here I am pleading and begging with people for two stinking hours a week to plug in and to honor God with what? Our time, our talent, and our treasure. And yet we just watched a movie that is a great depiction of the apostles in the New Testament that this book this Bible, this Word of God, is stained, written in the blood of Christians. It wasn't written out of, I'd rather go to the beach. You know, and now I'm persecuted because I have to go to church. Or what? God wants $20, my tithe. What? They were lit on fire as Roman candles lighting the streets in Rome for what? And that's what the, uh, Paul, while he was in prison in, the, in this movie, his Roman captor pulled him out into the garden and was sitting there and talking to him and said, why? Why? Why do you constantly, your people, he's saying, why do you constantly go to your death? 
Why? What for? There's so much more to live for. Why do you choose death? And I'll tell you, I wish I had like a photographic memory to be able to say it just the way this character said it of Paul. But he said, you walk into the ocean, the great ocean, and you scoop up in your hand water. And you look at that water as it's running through your hand. And you can see that that's like your life. That, that cup of water as it seeps through your hand. He says, but that's not what the Christian lives for. Not this. You look at the vastness of the ocean, and that's the kingdom that we live for. It can't be scooped up in one hand. It can't just be lived in one life. We grab a hold of our lives, our time, our talent, and our treasure, and we have mine, 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 and we're missing the point. It was never yours in the first place. Do you want to have happiness in this world? You want to have joy in this? You want to enjoy this world? Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and to the fullest, but you can't even begin to understand it until you give it all to him. To start with. Again, you can't give him what he already has. What's already his. You return back to him. Like Pastor Neil and his stinking little K-cups. It was a heart choice that I'll lay down stupid K-cups. Come on, people. For your kingdom, Lord. And God honored his word that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. Through K-cups, he gets a case brought to him today. Come on, people. What a simple illustration that you can't even begin. You think that you can scratch out your own existence here and have happiness? You don't understand what true joy is until you give what you've already been given back to God. In Psalms 90, 12, it's actually a prayer of Moses where he cries out, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we can gain a heart of wisdom. So, at the altar time, I want you to just ask yourself, If God was to show you right now exactly how many days you have left on this earth, would your priorities change? Would the things that you do on a normal day change? Would some things that you... No, I won't say that. If anything, if anything would change... That's what Moses is trying to say here. Teach us to number our days so that we'll have a heart of wisdom. That's what Ephesians was saying that we read there. Making the most of every opportunity. Know what the Lord's will is. 
So if anything would change, if your priorities would change at all, what are you waiting for? Because it's presumption. It's sin to think, to assume that you've been given the next second. And I'm not trying to do, oh, what was me? She's telling us, you know, repent of her. No. I'm telling you, get a heart of wisdom here. Learn to number your days. If you can, if God gave you the number right now and you'd change anything, it should have already changed. Because if it's not, it's revealing that God's not the priority in your heart. God's not the priority with your time. Again, I'm I'm teaching today is time. Time. Something we've all been given the same amount of. So let's just bow our heads. Let's just really search that answer. Holy Spirit, in your vast wisdom, show each one of us. God, is there something in our lives that's taking precedent, priority over you? That's sucking our time away from you. that it could be a real good thing but it's not the best thing help us be wise and discerning to know speak to us Lord speak to us reveal any wrong priorities in our hearts in our lives just asking you right in your seat right where you're out right right where you're at just to confess those things if he's bringing those things to your mind to your attention right now confess them confess them don't wait ask him to give you strength strength to keep him first and above all else altars again I say every week that don't 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 just run out of this place when you hear a message it's a seed that's been sown and you need to spend time with God to make sure that that seed goes down into good soil that you let him have time to uh, cultivate it to breathe on it to water it to to sink it in so that it you don't just run out of here and the cares of the world steal it away or you know whatever that it falls on rocky ground you know spend time with God at the altar I also want to open up the altars if you came in with a, a 
whether it's a sickness or a problem or, you know, like our brother um, shared a word this morning about whatever it's offense that you might have or maybe unforgiveness you're holding on to. Maybe it might even be unforgiveness with yourself. Spend time at the altar. So I want to open up the altars right now. So would you please just stand and make your way up front. Let's pray for each other.